0: All right. Welcome to the junior year episode 22 of the Horror Pod class. My name is Tyler, and I am the editor-in-chief of Signal Horizon, a company dedicated to exploring horror in and out of the classroom. When I'm not managing Signal Horizon, I'm a teacher at a local high school here in Kansas City, Missouri. And tonight, I am joined by, as I am every night, my co-host and monster ambassador here at Signal Horizon, award-winning writer, Oren Gray. Hey there. Hey, hey, man. We are in day 109 of quarantine. Not really, but it sure freaking feels like that. Uh, My children are cooking drugs in the kitchen, and I'm currently curled up on the couch crying. Not really. Uh, My kids are incapable of cooking anything by themselves. So instead, we play toys all day long, including killer dolls. So today, we are going to start by discussing what we are watching and reading. Second, we will highlight some free horror content on the internet. And finally, we're going to end tonight's episode with an in-depth discussion of the movie *Dolls*, directed by the late but great Stuart Gordon. Woo, woohoo! So, uh, Warren, get us started, man. What uh, what's been on your radar? What are you up to? What have you seen that is interesting? Maybe um, that we should check out.
1: <laughs> uh, so, see here, I just watched uh, *The Outing* from nineteen eighty-seven, which is okay. this. Um, low-budget, like, Killer Genie movie that was filmed in the Houston Museum of Natural Science.
0: Oh, rad. Okay. Um, I love the setting. Yeah, it was
1: pretty great. Uh, So, like, it's it's definitely very much one of those movies where, like, we got to film in this museum, and so we're going to film everything in this museum, look at this museum a lot. (laughs) <laughs> um, That's cool, but no, though. What a, great. What a great, great place. And, like, it has, you know, like, it has a, a big, huge practical effects genie at the end, and, um, you know, like, a lot of goofy 80s shit, and uh, it was it was quite a thing.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I went into this uh, kick maybe in late college, where I got super into, like, genies and gins, and uh, I was a big, big fan of the Wishmaster movies. Yeah. Do you yep. know? Yeah. Like, they're silly and and dumb, but uh,
1: I love the... I don't know how many of them I've seen. I bought the, like, Vestron or somebody put out a four-pack that's all of them. Yeah. And I bought it, and I have no idea how many of them I've seen. So, like, at some point, I'm just going to sit down and watch all of them, and and we'll see how many of them are completely new to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you totally should. It, it... I know, I know, I've
1: seen one, and I'm 90% sure I've seen two, and beyond that, it's question marks.
0: Yeah, it gets a little, little hairy. I mean, I dig it because it it riffs off of the kind of Leprechaun Monkey's Paw idea, mm-hmm. you know, where whatever your your wish is, you get it, but in in a fucked up, you know, saw kind of way or whatever. <laughs> and uh, they were a ton of fun. So if uh, your movie what was it called again
1: uh the outing it's also called it's also called the lamp which makes more sense as a title okay um the the outing title comes from the fact that like it's a field trip that goes to the museum and then some of the kids decide to like sneak out of the field trip and stay the night in the museum and they're the ones who get attacked by the genie so it's like
0: a nightmare at the museum basically yeah yeah all right yeah, I, I will give uh, the marketing people that one for free, because it, uh, it's freaking great there. All right, well, we'll have to check it out. And do you have a, a review of that Blu-ray somewhere out there, or maybe I do maybe not. Soon I actually
1: watched that one on, uh, like, a DVD four-pack that I got years and years ago from Scream Factory. So I okay. just had never watched it, and I saw, like, a GIF um, online of the Genie, and I was like, Oh, crap, I own that movie. I need to watch that.
0: Okay, all right. <laughs> I'll I'll have to check it out. I'll have to borrow it from you yeah. some, someday.
1: What uh, what else? Uh, I'm trying to see. I, I watched that. I watched Dolls. Um, I watched Popcorn, which I rewatched. I'd seen it years and years oh, ago. I don't, I don't know if you. I don't know it. It's um it's from '91 actually, which shocked me because it's a super '80s movie. Um, but it's like um it's a very mean movie. It's about a bunch of kids who uh put together a like college kids who put together a film festival at this theater that's about to close down. Um, and the film festival is all like uh, movies that are like from the '50s, basically, and then okay. they all have gimmicks, a la William Castle.
0: Oh, fun! Um, right up your alley. Right. So, yeah. Like,
1: there's there's um, there's one that has a thing that flies over the the audience, like Gamer Joe in House on a Hill, and there's one that has um, seeds that shock you, like the Tingler, um, and stuff like that. Um, but while they're doing this, uh, it turns out that like someone's killing them off essentially there's a slasher um oh, who, who it. may be related to this like film they find that was this experimental arts filmmaker back in the 70s who made this film and then like actually killed people for it or something hell yeah um, all right so, so yeah, like
0: uh, a homicidal william castle basically I'm down. yeah it's
1: a lot of fun it's um it's really goofy and it has really great music um and it's just uh it's you know it's just a blast it's super super duper 80s but it's apparently from okay. 81 so <laughs> no i
0: dig it oh man I've, I've added that to my list for sure very cool anything else uh, worth
1: mentioning i think that's all i've seen lately
0: okay very good well we will give links to where you can watch any of those um that are out and about so um some things for me. Number one, I watched, uh, it is kind of it, weirdly horrific right now. I watched Contagion for the first time, which my wife is. keep seeing, it, I
1: keep seeing is, it trending on Netflix, and I'm like, nah, I'm good.
0: Right, right. Like, what kind of sick motherfucker? Me, apparently, at 8 a.m. before everybody got up. I'm <laughs> like, huh, this has been on my uh, to be watch list. I guess I'll. And I want you to know, it it totally screwed the whole day for me. Like I was <laughs> jittery and wonky and in trouble. Cause I was such a dick the rest of the day. My wife was like, this is what you get for watching movies about pandemics when you're in the middle of a freaking pandemic. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. The- I, I, I suck really bad. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what can I say? Uh, I, I, uh, I, I made a mistake and I paid the price for it. Yeah, so.
1: Like I, I keep seeing it. Like I keep, uh, whenever I open things up, I'll see it like trending as like, you know, m- the most popular movies right now or something. I'm like, people just look outside. You don't right, need to right. watch.
0: Oh yeah. And they like use the same language, right? Like the WHO uses like, uh, I think it's in not, which is like the number of people that you can infect. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> I've heard them talking about that shit on NPR. I was like, this is not good. This is not good. Yeah. But I will tell you what has saved all of that. Uh, Number one, dolls, which I found charming and lovely and completely took my mind off of the world that we live in now. And um, I've said all along that I'm reading the new Ellen Datlow anthology uh, about, like, uh, you know, scary, essentially scary films. right? right? And there is a Brian Hodge short story that I just finished earlier today about... um, a it, it the long story short it uses that kind of motif of like there is this film that everybody talks about but not that many people have seen right which i think is a relatively uh well-trodden path oh, yeah. okay but the the fucking kicker in all of this that i like i'm in it's a like apocryphal Werner Herzog documentary (laughs) that is essentially just this like as only Brian Hodge really does it's this kind of existential dread about the Arctic and I'm I, I fucking loved it man and it was so fun and I grinned through the last part of it but also like had trouble going to sleep so it's you know exactly what you want in uh in a short story and then my kind of big, long thing that um, I'm into right now that I would highly recommend, it's the first thing I've ever read by him, but it's Imaginary Friend by Stephen Chbosky.
1: I haven't heard about Have it. Have you heard no. of uh-huh.
0: Yeah. It's a, it, it, a perfect group of teens take on a big, monstery thing in a small town, right? Like, that that's the long and the short of it. There's a lot more going on to it. There's some class stuff that I find really interesting. But it is that same kind of warm nostalgia that is really comforting right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm totally digging it. It's a long form novel. So yeah, man, I'm listening to it um, while I'm doing my gardening because there's nothing else to <laughs> fucking do. So.
1: Well you grow the food you'll live on after we're all <laughs> fighting in the toilet paper wars
0: right right yeah but i did that just a true story uh one of the small perks of being a high school teacher i went up to the supermarket and one of my students was working and i was like i'll call this it wasn't david but i'll be like eh, I'll, i will hide his name but i was like hey david when uh da, when does the toilet paper get here because it's never here and i'm a little low he's like oh we keep a box in the back. You want me to get your package? I'll get your package. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, this high school kid, I felt really bad afterwards. I felt a little bit, like, uh, Breaking Bad, you know? <laughs> like, I'm trading blue meth for, you know, toilet paper. I was not. I traded, like, you know, $16 or whatever it was. But still, my my contraband toilet paper was all mine.
1: So, I went to, um, I went to Costco while back and i guess we we lucked out and we went on the day they had gotten a shipment of toilet paper in and legitimately like first of all everyone coming out the door literally everyone had a package of toilet paper because they were only allowed to have one yeah so literally every single person who came out you just watch this train of people come out with a package of toilet paper every person no matter what else they had in their car Um, but but also they legitimately just had it on the pallet in the middle of the aisle, and they had a dude whose whole job it was to hand it out to each person as they went by.
0: Oh man! Like and and that that's better than some of the videos though, where I've seen people like tearing it right, like, apart, like, like fighting
1: like, each other for it. Yeah, no, it was, it was, yeah. it, was like, it was it was very regimented and orderly, but it was just like it was just hilarious. Like he was practically standing on this mountain of toilet paper, like handing it to each person as they came by. It was, what a fucking weird world, right? We it was in, very strange. It was very strange. Like I want, yeah. I wanted to just like sit back and like video it. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. and then post it. I guess and be, like, it what just the feel like is this is this, this, yeah.
1: this is the weird future we live in. Well, yeah, welcome, welcome well, to was, our very strange apocalypse.
0: Well, and what it, it's made the whole world fucked up for all of us, and we are all going to have these little. Picadillos that we deal with forever, right? And I saw somebody on Twitter that was like, you remember like when you would talk to your great-grandmother and she would, like, use the butter wrappers to, like, get the last bits of (laughs) butter off of them or, like, would store money under her mattress or whatever? We're like... Yeah, when our great grandkids come over and there's a mountain of toilet paper, they'll be like, "Oh, <laughs> you know, your your great granddad just lived through the pandemic of 2020, lived through the, so... the
1: toilet paper wars."
0: Yeah, yeah. So he's paranoid that he's gonna run out of fucking toilet paper. Yeah, that's us. <laughs> what a what a bullshit thing to be obsessed about. But eh, whatever. I guess you'll have a clean butthole <laughs> at the end of the world. I
1: guess.
0: Ah, uh, uh, well. As messed up as the world is, horror maintains its ability to comfort me and I think many of you out there. And one of the most comforting things will be uh, the dark corners of the web this week. And it comes from comicbookplus.com where they have a whole project of storing old comic books online that you can take a look at. And like tons uh, of all different types and I, I, I'll i be the first to admit I'm not a huge comic book connoisseur but I do really enjoy old school horror comics mm-hmm. and I've got a couple of comic book traders here in town that I'm really good buddies with and they opened up my eyes to <laughs> and the one that I would like to highlight and I'll link to it they have a whole bunch of amazing ghost stories number one through like number 37 okay and essentially these are i would say uh, does it list it somewhere here from 1954 okay Mm -hmm. that's when the first issue ran through i I think the the early 60s Mm -hmm. and you can read them all and they're all bonkers and campy as shit but i'm going to specifically link to the death dolls okay (laughs) and just to give you a little sense, it's, it's beautifully illustrated. The panels are, are badass, but uh, the death doll starts out. It was a little room, tucked away in a basement corner of police headquarters in a large city. There were three locks on the door. Behind that door, but perhaps you'd rather not know, lies the mystery. Perhaps, if you value your sanity, you'd better not read about this little room at headquarters. And... The Death Dolls. <laughs> it's so good. That's awesome. It's so Yeah, man. That is awesome. It, it is and, and they have a little picture of one of the Death Dolls and I mean it's just quirky and fun and and if you are like me and need a rabbit hole to get down, like I just spent all one afternoon reading all this shit and then trying to show my wife <laughs> and my kids who did not give a fuck about any of it, but <laughs> it was still very, very very fun, so Check out, uh, you know, the Death Dolls and the rest of the amazing ghost stories.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and that's, like, your era, too. I didn't even mean to do that, but we were talking about potential movies that we're going to uh, do down the road. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the 1950s have this, this, I think, really iconic imagery when it comes to horror. And, oh, yeah, and, and, and,
1: like, the old horror comics from that era are especially, like, wild. Just uh, just weird, weird stuff. Um, yeah.
0: So, Yeah. Uh, check those out, and then uh, please tell us what your favorites are. If you mosey on over to uh, our study group on Facebook, I'll link to that as well. But join that, and come and talk to us about what you're really interested in, maybe which uh, comics from Amazing Ghost Stories you like the best. Or, I don't know, uh, what you thought of Dolls, or uh, you know another film uh, from Stuart Gordon that you think is, is worthy of discussion. But, if you... Want to help us out? You can always give us a dollar or two for a Patreon that helps keep the lights on and it helps keep us able to get new movies and see new movies and and that kind of stuff. Or rate and review us on iTunes. I I have met so many new people that have left reviews that are just here trying to make it through the wilderness like the rest of us. So uh, now would be a perfect time because I think Orin and I are online a lot as it is. Um we are especially online i would say the you know the last month or so i i have my phone set up that it gives me that like here's your average you know and i'm it, like it was it was absurd it was like you're just mocking me now iphone all right i wish i i would not be here at my house on this so much but it is what it is
1: so I think I think it's about the same honestly for me if if anything maybe less the last recently just because like online is my only connection to the world outside my house and it gets a little overwhelming so sometimes I just go watch movies or something.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I can I can see that though. Like goddamn. Pl- Especially and plus,
1: since I work on the computer all the time. It's like uh sometimes I switch to get away from the computer, but
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I agree that sometimes, as much as we joke about it, it can be a little overwhelming. And I uh, – especially because my day job is to teach debate, I'm really tuned to politics. So, like, my, my Twitter feed especially is really bizarre because it's, like, half political pundits and half horror pundits. And lately it's hard to discern the two, right? you know? Yeah, so, like – like, Fuck it. Let's just get away from this. Uh,
1: and I mean, I've joked before, but like, um, I, I've, I've tuned a lot of what I see on Twitter to an enormous extent so that I don't see a lot of the stuff that I don't want to see. Um, like even if I want to follow people, but I don't necessarily want to see their stuff, I'll, I'll, you know, tune them out or something. But, yeah. um, but like every now and then something happens and it's so profound that it, bleeds over into almost literally everything I see. And, like, I remember, like, back when the, you know, back when the election was happening in 2016 and stuff, like, even the, like, One Perfect Shot and the one the places that just post movie pictures were posting political movie pictures, like... Oh, you know, yeah. it's, it's like, it's like, sometimes everyone is on the same wavelength.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, and it, it is a surreal but, but then especially, like, inescapable. Yeah, you know, like... Yep. Sometimes I want my film Twitter to be an escape from my political Twitter (laughs) because, you know, and, and sometimes for very obvious reasons, it can't be. And I understand that. But fuck, man, that's when I just take a break. Yeah. You know, I'm like, all right. All right. I need to do something different. So. All right, man. I think all of that leads us to our essential question today, which is how does the movie Dolls capture Stuart Gordon's lasting impact on performance art. Come
1: on, let's get going. It looked like a safe haven
0: from the raging storm.
1: It's an odd kind of place. Uh, where would your folks get it from, Boris Karloff?
0: Their hosts seemed like the essence of hospitality. You can stay here as long as you like.
1: Wonderful. But appearances can be very oh. deceiving.
0: What's the matter? Afraid of the doll? Lost yep. scared? Well, oh, of course not. What's there to be afraid of? This how? Oh, don't be. <laughs> like, you like toys?
1: <coughs> I'm a doll maker. <laughs> I make the most wonderful toys. Dolls,
0: puppets, soldiers, ballerinas.
1: Nobody wants a doll that's special anymore, that's one of a kind. The way that brings out creativity, it helps me in my work. What kind of work is that? Witchcraft? Ha, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Dogs. Until you're dead. Dogs. Okay. Before we ring that spoiler bell, why don't you give us a big, broad overview of what you thought about this movie, Warren?
1: I love this movie. Like, so I'm. I, I really like Stuart Gordon. I grew up with his stuff. Um, you know, I, I came to. Honestly, I think I came to Reanimator late because I think I had seen like From Beyond and Bright of Reanimator even, and some of his other stuff before I ever saw Reanimator. But I mean, I you know I watched all that stuff, the the sort of classic Stuart Gordon stuff, um, when I was first getting really into film in high school. Um, like I'd always watched movies, but I didn't really get into like cinema and understanding like film theory and shit like that until I was in high school. Um, you know, as a kid, I just watched movies like everybody does.
0: Yeah. You're probably better than me. I don't know if I got into any kind of film theory until college. And hell, I I still think sometimes I don't have a great grasp. Of I, it.
1: Yeah, I I got I got into it and then got back out of it maybe. But um, yeah. But no. Um. Yeah, yeah. And and but they were they were pretty formative movies for me overall. But like Dolls, which I didn't even realize was by him when I first uh, when I first saw it. Uh, is probably my favorite of his movies and um it's just it's it's so delightful and so weird um and like we'll talk a little bit more about it later but like it it could be in in literally every respect it could be a goosebumps book
0: yeah except
1: no, totally. it's weirdly gory yeah
0: in in <laughs> it 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 picks very gory uh, it picks really weird things to be gory, with, right? You know? Yeah, like it's, yeah, it's yeah.
1: gruesome in this really strange way that makes it yeah. definitely very R-rated. But if it weren't for that, it wouldn't be yeah. at all. It would be a oh, I, it could I, be a I kids think, movie. It would be a kids movie if it weren't so yeah. gruesome. Like it's.
0: I think there is a PG thirteen or a PG cut of this movie that that is very easy yeah. to to see. Yeah, and
1: and and, yeah. and also like some of the things it chooses to be gruesome about are so existentially messed up like the the I and mean, it's a bit of a spoiler i guess but you know some some of the stuff that happens in it so maybe we should wait and talk about it till later but like yeah. some of the stuff that happens in it is really messed up in like this weird but it would totally be like kids stories have messed up things like that in them sometimes so yeah
0: yeah all right I, I, before we get into that because i do i want to have that conversation pretty early uh, i'll give you the quick rotten tomato summary of this we Will ring the spoiler bell and then will we'll talk about that kind of element. Are, are, we, li- so, are we
1: lying about the Rotten Tomato summary being quick again?
0: Uh, oh yeah, it's definitely not <laughs> quick, and it's, it's 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 also the summary is is bullshit as usual. So, hooray! <laughs> here, straight straight from the mouths of Rotten Tomatoes. Young Judy Bauer is spending the summer with her stupid, abusive father David and nasty stepmother Rosemary. On a dark and stormy night, their car breaks down on a lonely road in the woods, and they are forced to seek shelter. As they walk, Rosemary throws Judy's beloved teddy bear into the woods, and the imaginative child envisions it coming to life as a fanged beast which slaughters her ter- her tormentors. The idea of loyal toys protecting their young owners from the savages of the adult world is forcefully made and imbues The rest of the film, they come upon a creepy old house owned by the elderly. Uh, Gabriel Hartwick and his wife Hillary. Gabriel is a doll maker and dazzles Judy with his collection of exquisitely detailed creations. Another car breaks down in the storm as well, bearing amiable Ralph Morris and two trampy hitchhikers. Trampy. What they? I know. What a what a weird adjective. Uh, what they and the Bowers don't know is that the dolls dolls are alive and protect the young, and the young at heart from the evils of adulthood. Okay, so let's talk about that fairy tale-esque, you know, like, uh, I envisioned this episode at least talking about some unifying things to, like, a Stuart aesthetic, right? Things that maybe we can at least see a little bit of in most of his films. I understand maybe not all of them, but, you know, if, if Dolves is the archetype that we're working off of.
1: Well, yeah, in- interestingly, I think that, um, especially from the, from the fairy tale aesthetic aspect of it, that it bears, that part of it bears less of Stuart Gordon's trademarks than it does the guy who wrote it, actually. Okay. Which is, um, I'm trying to remember his name, uh, it's like Ed Naha or something like that? He's the guy who wrote Troll.
0: Uh, yeah, Ed Naha. Yeah. You
1: got it. Um, and, like, if you've ever seen Troll and not Troll 2, um... <laughs> he did not write. We were Troll so 2. close. We were so uh, close to that. Yeah. It's a very weird movie, just like Dolls is. But um, it is. It's also a very fairy tale movie, like both. Both in that it is about fairy tale creatures, but also its structure is very much that of a fairy tale. It's like Troll is also a movie that could be for kids. I believe it is in fact PG thirteen. Um. That's, yeah. And that's it weirdly, it, yeah. it's weirdly disturbing in weird ways, but not. Yeah. Like not in any of the normal horror ways.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm a hundred percent. I agree with the way that you're interpreting dolls and to, to bring the other movie into it. it, I think it makes clearer connection that I had kind of in the back of my brain, which is this movie feels a little dolls. I'm talking about feels a little fraggle rock. You know, like a, a darker Jim Henson. Yeah. Like a, the scarier elements of Labyrinth even. And I think that lends itself to kind of a, a weirder, more fairy tale uh, feel about it, if that makes any kind of sense. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's like um, it's it's like a, a like a Guillermo del Toro movie or something, right? Yeah, except, yeah. Except yeah. made by a grindhouse director.
0: Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and very much made, you know, uh, purely from because you know, like I, I love what Guillermo del Toro does, and sometimes he works with practical effects, but you know, like Pan's Labyrinth is known for these really, you know, rich and surreal right. characters that are are at least computer enhanced. You know, right? The the charming part about dolls is it's like either stop motion or it's all, like, practical, oh, yeah. goofy, silly yeah. stuff, yeah. you know?
1: It's all practical. It's all... Um, I mean, like, Charles... So, so since we're talking about this now... Um, yeah. I posted about, about watching Dolls when I watched it. I, you know, posted on Facebook. And Michael Bukowski, um, like asked me, like, uh, can, can you explain to me why Full Moon loved the little stop-motion monsters so much? Did Charles Band ever produce anything without a little stop-motion monster? <laughs> um, which he did, a few things, but not many. Uh, he was clearly a man after my own heart and crammed stop-motion, tiny stop-motion things into as many movies as he possibly could. And, like, Dolls is just chock-a-block with tiny stop-motion things. Oh, yeah. Like, it is just so many freaking dolls running around in this movie. Um, And it was, you know, it was made in a real hurry. It was made really on the cheap. Um, But, I mean, it doesn't really look like it, except in, like, except in so far as that, you know, there's a limited number of sets and everything, but... Right. um, But, like, they really went all out on, like, just cramming it full of dolls... (laughs)
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I think you are right in talking about that setting because I do think that is one of the I think one of the most interesting things about this film and gets back to that central argument of trying to like provide some sort of unifying theory of Stuart Gordon's stuff. It's got a really limited set, and they make such great use of it Mm -hmm. that it is not surprising that Stuart Gordon got his start and, you know, essentially got his finish in the theater, you know? Like, obviously, with all the stop-motion dolls and some of the the gruesomeness, unless you're doing, like, Grand Guinelle, you know, kind of stuff, you wouldn't have. But, like, the limited setting, the kind of spooky ambiance is all, like... Oh, yeah. Straight out of the theater. Straight out of the theater.
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's, um, and I don't remember who first pointed this out. Um, another, another person writing about dolls at some point first pointed this out, but ever since they <laughs> did, I, I have, I have totally been like, yes, that is exactly what it is. It's an old Dark House movie. It's, it's, okay. it's a. Unpack uh, that. Unpack that. So, so the old Dark House genre was really popular in the, like, 30s and 40s, and, um, you know, the, the movie The Old Dark House is the sort of exemplar of it, but, um, the Rocky Horror Picture Show is also an old dark house movie. Like it's it's some people in a storm break down. They go to an old house. They have to spend the night there. Spooky things happen. Yep. that's that's the general gist of the genre. It, it was also there were there were two sort of schools of it. There was that one, and also the um, a bunch of people are called to the house for the reading of a will version, uh, and someone kills okay. them one by yeah. one. Like these these were sort of the two sort of archetypal old dark house movies. Um, and those were really popular on the stage first before they were popular on film. Um, and so like there's they're very there's something very theatrical about that sub genre. It always feels a little bit like a stage play because that's what it's where it started. Yeah. And this is well, this is clearly like tapping into that. Like you, you just have you have the strangers breaking down in the storm at the house. I mean, you know, it's it's textbook that in that regard. Yeah.
0: Well that uh yeah, it, it, it even if, and I think the only piece of CGI in this whole film, it's that big storm that essentially drives you know our family to the yeah which is not
1: even like CGI. I think it's just stock footage of a storm.
0: Yeah, <laughs> w- w- I, th- I think there's lightning across the sky. Oh yeah, right? like probably an
1: optical. Yeah, because you yeah. wouldn't have had CGI yet in '87. Right, um, right. Whatever the equipment. Yeah, like is. drawn in yeah. optical. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, but that and that's the only thing that I think looks. Kind of silly. I mean, the whole movie is a little silly, but you know, like uh, uh, otherwise, I think the stop motion and, and the practical effects work great. Yeah, I I love the idea of taking horror movies that we hold dear, that have a place in our heart, and doing them on stage. Right there has been a rebirth of mm-hmm. Night of the Living Dead. We we have had that come through Kansas City a handful of times, and that lends itself so well to all of that. My question. Do you think other Stuart Gordon films share that hallmark that, you know, you can see that limited space in the creation of atmosphere uh, that comes with, you know, a play present in his other stuff?
1: I mean, yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, honestly, so like from beyond, I'm pretty sure you could just do on stage Um, like you'd you'd need a monster effect. But like sure. you know, but the rest of it, I'm pretty sure you could just do on stage. You could do like a Pepper's Ghost thing to make the, um, to make the creatures swimming in the air appear, um, and that kind of stuff. And I'm pretty sure you could just do the thing as a stage But Like most of his movies are like three or four person shows,
0: uh-huh.
1: and Re, Re- Animator is essentially a love triangle yeah. <laughs> between uh, between you know, Herbert West and his assistant and his assistant's girlfriend. Yeah, and, yeah. Um and with the Dean in there as the foil. Or not the Dean, the the other, the other guy, the I know
0: the, I know the severed
1: head about. guy. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I mean so I think I think all of them like have that sort of part of it I mean they were low budget movies, right? They were made cheaply and quickly. Sure. Um but Gordon was one of the people who knew how to make the most of his low-budget movies to make them feel like they weren't—they weren't constrained by their budgets. He made them feel like they were full,
0: yeah. You know, yeah.
1: Um, and and he did that by I'm I'm assuming, um, you know, making use of his knowledge of the stage to limit. Uh, limit the number of characters, limit the number of settings, but not make it feel like it was limited, make it feel like that's all you needed.
0: Yeah, and, and to have action driven on stage by that small cast. Right, you know, yeah. Like, which leads us to the other comment that you made before we got to the spoiler bell, the gruesomeness of this film. Because, at like... I, I do think Rotten Tomatoes probably gets the summary right. <laughs> there is a real love of of childhood innocence and mm-hmm. of toys and of, of being playful, right, and in, right. in having fun. And that's why I think the film itself really revels in how much fun it has. But what a weird thing to have some of the gruesomeness of this film. Yeah,
1: and, and like what I was saying before the spoiler about, like, the movie didn't need to be this gory. Like there was no, like there was nothing in the story that necessitated it, right? Um, but it chose to be, which is fascinating. But like uh, the the ways, like the, so, when they transform the people into the dolls, right? That's that's the big spoiler that I was avoiding before the spoiler bell. They transform people into dolls. That's how they make the yeah. dolls, and they do it horribly. Like, yeah. Like, being transformed into a doll and not being able to control yourself anymore is kind of existentially terrifying to begin with. Sure. But, like, the fact that it is juxtaposed with, like, overt torture chamber imagery for how they do it... And it's straight out of Grand Guignol. You you said you know Grand Guignol earlier. It's straight out of it, like with the eyeballs falling out. I mean, that's yeah, that's yeah, yeah, pure Grand Guignol, right? Oh my eyeballs fell out and rolled off the stage into the audience. You know, that's yep. yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and like and that scene is genuinely distressing. Uh-huh. That scene with her like it was, like strapped into the chair with the fake eyes and everything, and like all the blood, like that's. Upsetting and like yeah, and some shit and yeah, and, yeah. and their attic is like full of torture equipment like it's got like an Iron Maiden and stocks and a, a rack and shit up there like
0: huh. I I don't remember like the, 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 I yeah. remember seeing some of it I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch yeah the
1: it the attic room that she's in that the girl the the punk rocker girl who gets turned into the doll first the the attic room she's in like everything in it is torture stuff
0: huh okay Oh um, it. it so I picked up, right? That second group of hitchhikers, second group of stranded whoever. Right. Like I I called them to my wife who was doing something else right next, you know, like on the couch, <laughs> probably grading papers or whatever. I was like, "Oh, hey, we got punk rockers." Yeah. And uh she was like, "Huh," you know, and went back to grading papers. But I didn't I didn't see them as trampy. No. I mean, they were kind of like like the, I think mean, counter cultural. Right, they
1: you know? they were super British. Um, like yeah. they, it's like they had very working class british accents and like uh you know they were they were very much like 80s punks but i mean yeah. every horror movie in the 80s was obliged to have punks <laughs>
0: right right and and especially in this context like uh you had to have somebody play the foil you couldn't like the movie would have been very very short if it was just killing you know Just her parents. parents, right? Yeah, which <laughs> would have been like, oh, yeah, shit. which
1: is another like. It's interesting that there's no redemption for them at all, either. Oh, like, none. Like they are just horrible and suffer a horrible fate. It's, um. So what when I when I posted about it, what I said was like, there's a somewhere there's a Venn diagram that is Stuart Gordon movies, Full Moon movies, old Dark House movies, and old horror comics. And dolls is like right in the center. Like dolls is very much like a tales from the crypt episode or something. Oh yeah, where like yeah. it's just terrible people suffer terrible fates.
0: Yep. <laughs> well, in in fact, I think it was one uh, anonymous Amazon user who didn't necessarily like this movie. What said that it would have been it would have been better as a forty five minute to an hour long tales from the crypt episode, which I think it feels like that. For sure, so I get what he's I mean, saying.
1: I think it's only like seventy some minutes. I don't think it's much more than an hour long. As it is seventy-seven yeah. minutes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It is. <laughs> it is uh, a brief
1: film. It's it. It gets right to it.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that same kind of revenge redemption arc is really interesting because you have to have that second group come in. Otherwise, you end up killing this little girl's parents, and then what? Right. <laughs> yeah. You, well, yeah.
1: You need you need Ralph so that there's someone to someone else to survive besides just her.
0: Right. Because if well, you like, if you
1: functionally orphan, I know she has a mom somewhere, but if you functionally orphan a kid in your movie and don't give her anyone to hang out with.
0: Right, right, or or to leave with right. the, the fucking puppet guy you know
1: <laughs> right that's a little puppet too grandma rough. and granddad yeah like that's not good that's a little that's a little too rough maybe <laughs>
0: yeah well speaking of rough um one of the reviews from uh, Nick Shager of Lessons of Darkness who did not care for this movie in the least bit mentioned that her stepmother was transgender what. Yeah, and I don't know if that was just like a transphobic slur, or like if there was anything to it. So uh,
1: as far as I, I mean, her stepmother was Stuart Gordon's wife,
0: so clearly not. <laughs> I, mean,
1: right? I, I mean, I I I guess oh, I don't remember her name, but I guess she could have been transgender. I don't know.
0: Carolyn Purdy Gordon. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think so. I, mean, I don't think I so. Think it was, but, it was probably him just being a
1: Right. Guy. I don't actually know anything about her except that she's Stuart Grinn's wife. She's in most of his movies.
0: Yeah. Um, she's in Reanimator for sure. Right. Yeah. In, Which she, is she, why I was like, am I fucking missing something? Right. She, was, right. she was in
1: what? She was in Reanimator from beyond Castle Freak, Bitten the Pendulum, Robot Jocks, mm-hmm. Stuck. And, I mean, most of his movies. Like,
0: yep. Yeah. And then had a run. Uh, this is so growing up in the Unsel household. Um, we were big fans of all kinds of television mm-hmm. and my parents watched an early version it wasn't er the er we know but it was like a kind of a sitcom uh-huh and uh they would sit around like a uh, Nick at night and i recognized her from that show interesting so her, and i was like oh, shit, this is, you know, whatever. And then, again, uh, my parents were like, we don't know what reanimator is, but we will certainly take your word for it. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah, so, uh, I, but she is truly awful. Like, written that way. Oh, yeah,
1: know. yeah. No, she's a horrible person. Yeah. Um.
0: And, I, you know, I like the idea that the movie is more than just uh, protecting... The ingenue or whatever—it's really just a p- protecting the the joy of childhood,
1: right? Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and
0: and making the people you know making people pay that that don't have that joy anymore. I yeah, dig that. That's yeah. a, that's a badass. I mean, well,
1: so it's so it in that respect, it's a little bit like um, trick or treat—the the movie that punishes people not for being immoral but for disrespecting Halloween.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. The, the people right. Who,
1: the people who don't celebrate Halloween correctly get killed. Like, yeah. <laughs>
0: That's very true. Like, it, it, it saves its harshest abuse for, you know, right. people that are shitty about the holidays. Right, like, that. like
1: they've, they've often also done other shitty things, but that's not that's not the crux of their punishment.
0: <laughs> well, and, and maybe, it's probably not the beginning of the trope, but we see it a ton. In just a second, we're going to shift our focus a little bit and talk about some other haunted doll stuff that is in the horror genre. But if you look at all of that, there is almost always instead of kick the dog, it's like kick the doll. Right. You know, we know who the asshole is by how mean they are to Chucky before they realize that <laughs> Chucky is. You know, the, so they'll be like, oh, "Fuck a doll," and you know, right. they'll like punt it, you know, or whatever. you are like, "Oh, that guy's getting his shit." You know, so <laughs> we know the minute that Mom throws that teddy bear away, we're like, oh, "Right, shit, yeah.
1: no, you know? yeah." I
0: I also saw a little bit of um. My son, who is kind of loosely into horror, played this game and watched these movies when he was like maybe 8, 9, 10, called Five Nights at Freddy's. Do you know Five yep, Nights at yep. Freddy's? I I've
1: never played it, but I'm familiar with it. Um, they,
0: they have a big, terrifying, like, Teddy Ruxpin, scary... Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, teddy bear. And it, it, it looks like the one featured in dolls, for sure. <laughs>
1: Um, So before we move on to other haunted dolls, I want to mention that, uh, so dolls is interesting because um, more people know From Beyond than dolls. Like, Mm -hmm. dolls is, or From Beyond is a better known film. They were filmed back to back. No shit. No shit. On the same sets. Really? For the most part. So the house is the same house. If you look at the exterior, you can see it. The exterior of the houses, they're basically the same. But like the interiors are mostly the same too, they just re okay. they just redressed them so it looks like someone lives there in dolls and it looks like no one does in From Beyond basically. But yeah, they're they're filmed back to back using most of the same sets, same crew, some of the same cast, um, and yeah, just like sorry. just like within within the space of just like a couple of months, they filmed them both just right through. So wow. you can you can see like if you go back and like really pay attention, you can see a lot of the stuff being reused. Um, but they really, yeah. like, they really did a good job of redressing it. But it's like the rooms are the same shape and stuff like that. Like,
0: I um, you know, I think that just goes to prove what we were saying about theater stuff earlier. Because yeah. I will tell you, the friends that I have in theater now, friends and colleagues and and former students, they are like the fucking MacGyvers <laughs> of like set design and and building shit and. Like, making stuff look different, you know, yeah. repurposing it. And, you know, I I, I should, before we uh, move on to other stuff, it, we would be super remiss if we didn't talk about one of Stuart Gordon's, uh, I think, most impactful legacies is the Organic Theater Company. That's the theater company that he started in Wisconsin. And it gave rise to a number of different um, actors that we see all the time. But he would, like like you can totally see all of that influence in his movies because he like i don't know he did a a version of peter pan uh complete with like a flying peter pan right so he he still had the the flying and all of that but it was really about the dnc and the riots at the dnc in the late 1960s interesting and the scene where they go to Never Neverland, right, mm-hmm. was all done in the nude, and it was done, like, in psychedelic fashion. So, like, this, this, you know, uh, whimsy, maybe, or, you know, kind of uh, bizarre takes on older stories, I think. Uh, it's well worth your time to to go read a little bit about uh, the Organic Theater Company, because I, I hadn't read anything until I read a whole bunch of in memoriams about him mm-hmm. uh, right after he passed away, and we should mention... Uh, he he passed away less than a month ago, yeah. so there's still a ton of really interesting stuff out there uh about him about his movies, about his theater company so
1: so so apparently that e r show that you watched i'm just noticing this now as I look at some stuff about the theater company uh was written like was based on a play written by him and his wife and some other people no shit yeah so they 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 put on a play as part of their theater company called e r um, that they had all written, and uh, it got adapted into that television series you were talking about.
0: I love it. I love <laughs> it. Well, that... Uh, man, I'm going to have to go seek that out because I, I don't know when that show was made, but I like I had to have watched it when I was like... I was not a teenager yet. I yeah. was still a kid. It so. looks
1: like it was uh, 84, 85 is when it ran, when the show okay. ran, yeah.
0: Okay, cool. Now, that's something to revisit. For another day in quarantine. <laughs> Great. It's perfect quarantine viewing. Perfect. All right. So anything left to say about, and, and again, I'm sure there's tons of other stuff. So reach out to either one of us on Facebook and, you know, tell us what we missed or, or what we should have added. But anything else to the Stuart aesthetic that we want to talk about before we move on to other Haunted
1: puppetry. I mean, not, you know, not that I'm thinking of right this minute. I'm sure I'll think of it later. But, um, you know, that's...
0: Well, we can always add it to that's, the show.
1: That's those. Monday morning quarterbacking.
0: Yeah, true that. Okay, so some other haunted doll stuff. The Very clearly, the first thing that came to my mind um, was Pinocchio. That fucking, <laughs> it, like that i i remember going to see pinocchio in the movie theaters mm-hmm. and it's scaring the shit out of me yeah. not just the donkey scene but conceptually the idea that you would be real and not real and you would operate in that
1: there's you know, some okay. weird existential stuff going on in pinocchio <laughs>
0: like yeah yeah, yeah man um, and and, and yeah, yeah, yeah
1: a lot of weird visuals like with the whale and the donkey scene and the the yeah i haven't seen it in forever well, but yeah In
0: in like the idea that Pinocchio himself is spins the bulk of the movie in this liminal space where he's not exactly a puppet, but definitely not exactly a real boy. Right. Like he's this sort of half kind of a thing. Yeah. See, you know, led me to believe that there is probably an element of haunted dolls and puppetry that uh, is really heavy on the body horror. Oh yeah. uh, we could probably explore that for a whole whole another day.
1: Yeah, and I am very sure that some of those. Uh, I, I see that uh, the Mannequin Tales book is on your list here, and I have not read it yet. But I am very sure that some of the stories in that deal with that like body horror of dolls thing. And you guess of like movies like Pin definitely do. I'm sure. Yeah, I haven't seen Pin in forever, but
0: I don't know if I've I'm seen
1: not. It. I'm not actually sure I've ever seen it. If I did, I was young. Um, yeah, but I've heard a lot about but, it. I've heard it's really good, so
0: I'll, I'll have to check it out. So you mentioned um, a book edited by John Pageant. Uh, I think it's edited by John Pageant. I know he's got a short story, but I don't, but I don't remember who
1: edited it. But
0: but it, but it's called Mannequin Tales of Wood Made Flesh, and it has been shortlisted for a Stoker Award this year. Um, produced by Silent Motorist Media,
1: so it looks amazing. So.
0: Yeah. Oh, and, and I've read a couple of the stories, I think maybe because I'm sitting on a panel for the Stoker Awards, mm-hmm. and the ones that I've read, you're 100% right. Like, it leans into that body horror. It's a, they're a ton of fun. And in talking about dolls, the the mention of Mannequin makes me think of that really uh, goofy 80s movie called Mannequin. Yeah, you know? yep
1: yeah which i haven't seen in a million years but feels like a riff on Galatea. like just just from yeah. the synopsis like
0: right yeah, yeah. oh I, I definitely think it is borrowing pretty heavy from those ideas and both with that and other you know pieces of uh, fiction that use that type of storytelling it really Part of the reason why mannequins and dolls are so powerful is because of that uncanny valley, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you don't, you don't ever know if it's real or if it's not, and some things shouldn't move, and they do, and,
1: yeah. And, and I mean, I think it also comes down to, like, a, it comes down to something similar to some of the stuff that, that goes into, like, with clowns and mummery and that kind of stuff, which is, which is, like, what what drives us to make these objects in the first place? Like, why do we feel the need to make things that look like us?
0: Ah, I like that.
1: You know, yeah. what? what is it about us? What are we trying to accomplish by making these things that resemble us? Why are we doing that in the first place? What is what is behind all that, you know? Um,
0: yeah. So, uh, why do we? Does it, uh, does it allow I'm, us to, to play God?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure, yeah, you know. Yeah. I, I, there's but there's but but I think that that mirror aspect makes there be something kind of inherently fetishistic about a doll like in the in the old sense, not in the like sexual sense, but like in the you know you're you're imbuing this object with some kind of power by making it like you. okay, um, yeah, you know there it makes it makes the thing feel heavy and like it has gravity, like there's something something's going on there, you know, yeah, more than just what? a toy. Um, well,
0: and, and throughout time, our folklore has, you know, continually given birth to this doll came alive and did this thing, right? right. Like, uh, yeah. old Jewish tradition has golems, right? You know, yeah, and, and different forms of, um, other religions have, you know...
1: Uh, and you have, you have, uh, you know, you have fetish dolls from, from, you know, African religions, um... Which is what Pinhead came from, was a, like a, a fetish doll they would drive nails into. That's where the design of Pinhead came from.
0: Okay. In, in right.
1: Hellraiser. Um, I mean, just, you know, you, you, yeah, dolls have played a really big role in, like, folk magic
0: and stuff. Yeah.
1: For yeah. forever. And, and, you know, that makes it feel like there's there's just magic, like, waiting to happen with a doll. <laughs>
0: right and and i think some of that is that it's a miniature version of us some of it is like i just feel like they the idea that there is a doll goes hand in hand like hand in glove if you will with the idea that you can imbue it with its own personality and character and and also part of the reason why like ventriloquist dummies are also fucking terrifying right, right? yeah you know because it's all about rejection of control. Speaking of um, "Secrets of Ventriloquism" by John Patchen is one of my oh, you know, yeah. top ten favorite stories of all time. Oh man, so. the
1: the book is like that whole collection is amazing.
0: It is. It is. And I, um, I, I, I always forget the name of it. But uh, uh,
1: "Secrets of Ventriloquism" is the collection, and then the story. I mean, there's a story called that, but the the one that's on pseudopod, the one that most people know, is the twenty simple steps.
0: Yes, different interloquism
1: yeah Um, and I think
0: in that same collection it it has nothing to do with dolls but it's it's also a bonkers and great story I've forgotten the title of it now you'll you'll probably know I know some of our listeners will but it's about the ride like the fucked up version of Disneyland Um, in oh it like goes through the bayou yeah it's just it's um, yes
1: the indoor swamp
0: the indoor swamp oh it is fantastic and i think i read it while i was like on vacation waiting in line for something with my kids and i was like oh this is <laughs> this, this is so fucking spot on it's brilliant so yeah john's uh, john's writing is fantastic and i think really treats dolls in a, a, a terrifying and fucking great way yeah
1: so. he's he's really aces at writing about this kind of stuff yes um but yeah, like oh man, there are so many like haunted doll movies and things, like just yeah. just tons of them. Um, I would be remiss to not mention. So I, I mentioned earlier uh, talking about the full moon movies with, with Mike Bukowski, but like literally, you know, there's the Puppet Master franchise, which is yeah. a dozen movies long. I think at this point. Yeah, and um, I, I
0: went through that phase too. I don't think I watched all twelve of them, but I, I bet I got I through either, but, six or seven.
1: Um, but yeah, but like, a ton of their movies have. Um, like weird little, you know, weird little dolls that come to life. Not just Puppet Master. There's demonic toys and um, totem and uh-huh. uh, like worry dolls. I think is one of theirs. I mean, just tons and tons of the Fullman movies have um, have these kind of like weird little stop motion creatures that come to life, and they're great. Um, even when the movies are not great, which is usually, I mean, they're 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 intentionally. I, I always call them gleeful trash. Like yeah. they're they're movies that are are setting out to be trash. Yeah. Um, and they're doing a great job. <laughs>
0: yeah, and, and, and they're fun. And and I probably describe those, because I have a maybe a, my own weird taste, but I think those types of movies, and doll dolls are included in that, <laughs> they're really charming. Yeah. You know? Like, they know exactly what they're going for. They know exactly yeah. who their audience is. And they aim to make this movie... And I don't know, it was just, it was heartwarming. It, yeah, like
1: oh, it, it, Dolls is such a cozy movie. Like, yes, which, yes. Which makes those those weird moments of gruesomeness so much more striking for me. yeah. Because yeah. the whole movie is like a cozy, it's like curling up with a cozy little book on the couch in a stormy night. You know, it's so comforting, like a yeah. nice warm cup of tea and everything. And then every now and then you smash open a doll and there's a bloody <laughs> weird skull monster inside of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, uh, if you're the type that loves that, then yeah. you'll love dolls. Oh <laughs> you God. know?
1: That, that scene when they smash the dolls and, like, their bloody, weird, shrunken head... Shrunken,
0: shrunken body is. Yeah, which... Yeah, whatever which
1: that is. Which yeah. also, like... Which also makes the transformation of the other characters in the dolls so much more horrible because you know that underneath the doll body, they're that horrible thing, right? Yeah, they're yeah. They're a horrible little goblin monster yeah. <laughs> underneath the doll body. Yeah.
0: And and you do, like, see them transform into that. Yeah. And uh, even that scene, is kind of hokey and, and yeah. silly as they can be, are still kind of fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, oh, it's, so it's so weird. And, like, talk about mean spirited in that way. Because, like, yes, there are people that are bad, okay? <laughs> the people that are bad are bad in this movie. But they're not, like, you know, they're not, like, homicidal maniacs. They're just, like, shitty parents right know? they're just like mean to their kids or they're like punk rockers that that like,
1: are gonna like rob an old couple I mean
0: right yeah, right right which is bad but I mean right. come on
1: yeah. right they're, they're not maybe they're maybe not be like horribly mangled into a freakish doll thing forever <laughs> like yeah bad right. like that's to, to that live forever on this guy's, bad. guy's bad. shelf I don't yeah. know yeah. that seems awfully yeah. bad
0: right um, right but like, like uh, he,
1: he, does, he does sort of make the claim that this is going to redeem them somehow like Like, Uh, this is some sort of purgatory they're going to go through? Like, some people have to be, have to start over as this doll in order to learn to be good?
0: Yeah, at the end, he's like, oh, don't, don't, like, yeah, yeah, he says something like, uh... This is this is what they had to do to go. Like, oh, that, that seems odd. Right,
1: some some he, some weird veil soul making going on there.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Like this seems like a very <laughs> odd dogmatic turn for this very undogmatic movie. But yeah, whatever. Um,
1: who who yeah. incidentally the guy the old man is played by Guy Rolfe, who is the puppet master and puppet master. He's Andrei. I Toulon. knew he looked yeah. familiar.
0: Okay, um, All right. which
1: you know which which connects them in that interesting way.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, but that makes perfect sense now. I right. Like, what the fuck? I get it. I get it. So I think the only movie that we haven't mentioned that um, we we certainly could is Dolly Dearest, which I have not seen either, but often gets mentioned in the same circles. I haven't seen
1: and it. If I've seen it, it's not since I was a kid, so I don't remember it. It was on Prime until recently. It may still be. I don't know.
0: So it seems like I haven't seen Dolly Dearest, so I can't speak to it. It seems like there is a Dolls camp and a Dolly Dearest camp. And very rarely are people in both camps. And I um, am
1: like, and maybe, you know, again, having probably never seen it, and certainly not since I was a kid, this is based on speculation. But, like, Dolly Dearest is about one doll, right? That's my understanding. And, like... One doll is intrinsically less interesting to me than this weird horde of dolls. Yeah, of and this dolls. weird
0: menagerie of of yes, um, up dolls. and
1: so like yeah. and so that's 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 it for me partly. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll watch it sometime. I love, I love, like, I love stupid like haunted doll and puppet movies. Like, yeah. I I love all the haunted Pinocchio's dummy movies, and I love uh, Dead Silence. Oh man, I love Dead Silence so much.
0: Well, and I think you have. I'll link to it here. Um, I think you reviewed for us the newest Annabelle movie, yeah. which was equally kind of fun and charming. Yeah, and,
1: and, I love. I love know. most of the Annabelle movies.
0: Um, yeah, they're good. They're, I have not they're, seen they're the latest fun. one.
1: The latest one's great. The latest one's the best one. Um, I
0: think it's out on HBO or something. I think it I'll is. Just check
1: it out. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know it. it it, it is a lot like dolls in in that very kind of cozy, charming way. It's way less gruesome, hilariously. Okay. <laughs> way
0: I'll I'll, uh, I'll check it out. So, I, uh, I really enjoyed this film. You really enjoyed this film. Somebody that did not enjoy this film <laughs> was an anonymous Amazon user. Uh, he wrote, as we mentioned earlier, this film should have been a Tales from the Crypt episode. As a full-length film, it fails miserably. The acting is horrible. There's no nudity or gore. I don't. Or, I,
1: mean, I, I um. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> and the dolls themselves are uninteresting and unscary. If you must see this film, do yourself a favor and rent it, like I did, because it feels like it was made by a trio of monkeys with a twenty-dollar budget. <laughs> All
1: right. I mean, first uh, of all, I want to back up to the part where uh, one of the, what, four criteria to make a good feature length film is whether or not there is nudity.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I feel like um, this guy was helping for, and I do, I'm relatively certain this is a dude here. Uh, yeah, Very probably. rarely do you have female critics of any kind they're like i really wish there was more nudity because really what they're saying is i want there to be female nudity you right know? i'm relatively certain if uh you know our doll maker started if, if nudging, guy
1: rolf just hung on at some yeah. point yeah
0: you'd <laughs> be like that would be the first thing you'd be like i didn't need to see that kind of <laughs> puppet uh
1: yeah yeah yep so yeah, um, uh, yeah no that's and also dude wasn't paying attention. There's tons of gore in yes. this movie. Oh
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah like uh, I'm a hundred percent certain that there are other movies that we have talked about on the horror podcast that are significantly less gory than yeah. this film. So
1: yeah, no the, the, the he would have been happy with uh, with the outing though. Like every every female character in the outing, I'm pretty sure gets naked at some point. Oh okay. So he'd he'd be happy with that. Yeah um,
0: right. You should uh, reply back to that anonymous uh, review and be like, check out uh, this one. Check out
1: the outing. It's got like three naked women edited out of a cast of like seven. Oh, man. (laughs) Uh,
0: All right. Anything uh, left to say about uh, dolls?
1: No, I think, I mean, I'm sure I could talk about dolls forever, but no, I think we're good. It is is really
0: fun. I highly, highly recommend. It, I, th-
1: it. I think we have now talked about it for roughly its running time.
0: So, yeah, yeah. and it is, it is a short and sweet kind of thing, man. So, uh, you'll you'll yeah, it's check it it's out.
1: so good. Definitely watch. Definitely watch dolls. I love it.
0: Okay. Well, next week. Uh, before we get there, though. Where can they find more of your stuff on the internet, Oren?
1: I, I am, as always, uh, Oren Gray at uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and at orengray.com. Very
0: good. You can check out more of my stuff. Uh, I do all of the social media on Signal Horizon. So any kind of goofy, silly meme I have either stolen or created myself. Otherwise, you can email me your pitches. We are a... We are looking to pay people to write some features, not a ton, but uh, you know, I'm trying to contribute to um, a positive economic climate. So <laughs> send whatever your pitches may be to Tyler at signalhorizon.com. I would love to hear what you want to say, how you want to say it. If you are looking specifically for political horror, we are your place. If you want to write a 1,000 words on why uh, dolls is really a metaphor for the 2020 election, I'm telling you, I would read the hell out of that. So <laughs> send me send me that pitch. Uh, otherwise, check out anything that I have to say on Twitter at Ty Unsel and hit us up at the Horror Podcast Study Group like we talked about before. Next time, we are going to talk about Gags the Clown, a movie that came out in 2018, and Existential Dread, which I am um, uh, really interested in discussing, like, kind of existential and and uh, cosmic dread next time. Awesome. I think it'll be fun. Very good. Well, uh, until next week, class dismissed.